This is Bless You Boys Podcast 87, recorded Friday, September 20th, 2013. The Diamondbacks are... Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Welcome to Bless You Boys Podcast. We're the editorial staff of BlessYouBoys.com. SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog covers the last week of the multi-Detroit Tigers baseball. I'm your host, Al Beaton, co-managing editor of the site. Uh, every week I get together, it's been the same gang as of late because we're the only people available on Friday afternoons. So uh, let's start get the introductions out of the way. Uh, first off is the, the newest uh, semi-regular, regular, whatever you want to call them. That would be Hook Slide. Known for his humor and research. How how are you doing this week? Doing just great, Al. So does this mean that I've I've passed the super double secret probation period? Well, Kurt and I have to discuss that. We can't. uh, uh, Doggone it. (laughs) Well, as long as you stay available on Fridays, I think your odds are pretty good. (laughs) That's the one requirement, availability. Pretty much. (laughs) And, of course, also uh, joining us this week is... uh, He's a man of all seasons. Well, unless that season—well, that season actually is rainy season, being up in the UP right now. But he is a columnist for the Detroit News. He is co-managing editor of Bless You Boys. He is a master of SEO, and of course, he does numerous things for SB Nation. And that would be Kurt Menching. Kurt, I uh, hear things are kind of damp up in the UP this week. When are they not? Yes, exactly. So, uh, other than that, everything cool on the up in Uberland? Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want to clue us in, folks. It's like a secret society up there, really. We don't want anyone below the bridge to uh, investigate or visit or anything. Exactly. It's up north for a reason. They don't want us southerners coming up. So, All right, with that, let's uh, knock out a few things. Uh, first off, about the podcast, if you want to contact us with your love letters or complaints, well, we're willing to look at either. Uh, BYBpodcast at gmail.com, BYBtigers at gmail.com. That's kind of the catch-all email for Bless You Boys. Also on the Twitters, at Bless You Boys, and we're on the Facebook, facebook.com slash BYB.Tigers. All right, a little bit of housekeeping to get out of the way. Or, well, more like storytelling, I guess we'll go with, because uh, uh, we're going to discuss Kirch uh, right and wrong. Uh, well, Kirch record when it comes to being right and wrong, and, of course, Hook Slide, if you read Bless You Boys this week. Uh, made a trip to Detroit to actually get on the field for batting practice as a as a guest of uh, Dove, the um, oh, uh, for you know of the cleaning products and soaps and things like that. So hook slide, uh, you're on the you're a guest of uh, was it uh, Dove Men Plus uh, to be on the field for uh, batting practice, kind of a father son thing. So uh, how did it go? Did uh, did you enjoy yourself? You know, we had a great time. Um, the the the, uh, the whole idea was was <coughs> Dove um, has a program called Big League Dads that they're really promoting pretty heavily right now, and this was all part of that. Uh, you know, that whole that whole program. Um, are you okay, Al? Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Okay. Something just fell over. Um, so uh, it was it was really kind of cool that I got to go out to uh, Comerica Park for that uh, the Big League Dads program sponsored by Dove and, and to take my own uh, son with me. Um, we got to go there and, and watch the Tigers take batting practice uh, for about an hour, and then we got to go out onto the field uh, out in right field and play catch together 
and then of course we got to to see the game and uh, it was just it was a really cool experience yeah, that was also the uh, same batting practice where uh, Omar and Fonte got hit by a line drive. You guys weren't responsible anyway, were you? I can neither confirm <laughs> nor deny. No, honestly, I, I think it happened before we got out of the field. Ah, all right. I, I think I would have seen that, and, and I don't think he was. I don't think he was even out there when I got there. So that, that must have all taken place before, you know, before we got there. Yeah, and you were able to do a few other things too. You know, uh, play some catch and uh, actually do things that most people probably never get a chance to do. Yeah, and see some things that most people don't get a chance to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was kind of the, the really striking thing for me is uh, when they did take us out uh, to right field to play catch before the game. Um, you know, we we had to go down the elevators, you know, down to the concrete hallways and walking around. You know, thinking most people don't probably get to go back here and walk past the big green doors that say, you know, visitors clubhouse, and uh, to see the the bell tire banner, you know, from the underside. Mm-hmm. It was just it was a really cool kind of you know perspective and experience, and then you know i i just i I love playing catch with my kid anyway, you know, and so to to do that and to do it in that spot on the grass you know at America it was just it was fun you know it was just uh I threw him a couple of pop flies on the end mm-hmm. on, on on the field and like, okay, you know this is where Tory hunter stands, right so like you, you pretend you're Tory hunter, I'll throw you some pop flies, and he thought it was great, yeah, and uh so how did hook slide junior take all this? Oh, he he just he absolutely loved it. So many times, you know, he just I'm watching him the whole time, just watching his expression, you know, and he's mm-hmm. just like starstruck, you know, I like, can't <laughs> believe this is happening, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the story I like to tell is that while we were um, watching them take batting practice, he had he wore a, a Cabrera jersey, you know, with the mm-hmm. Cabrera and 24 on the back. And uh, at one point, um, he's kind of short, so he couldn't see mm-hmm. uh, over the cage. And so I had to kind of pick him up so he could see over the cage and see uh, Prince Fielder in the cage smacking the ball around. And when I did that, I turned him a little bit, and Cabrera, uh, Miguel Cabrera caught uh, sight of the jersey. Mm-hmm. So he turns over, he looks, you know, looks over at us, and he had this smile on his face and kind of nodded at us like, "Hey, cool." And uh, yeah, the Hooker Junior thought that was great. So when he got back to school the next day, he told all his friends, "You know, Miguel Cabrera liked my jersey." So. <laughs> Well, uh, uh, so overall, it was a good experience then, huh? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so we'd like to, again, thank uh, Dove and Dove Med and Plus for setting this up. And uh, uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to take advantage of it, so Hook Slide was the next best choice. So I'm, I'm glad someone got to use it and actually have a great time. Yeah, it was awesome. Indeed. And they actually won that night. Yeah. They actually won. Yeah, that's right. You said you've never, uh, your son had never seen a victory, right, in no. person. No, we went to that game in June and watched them get blown out by the Orioles, and then we went to the game uh, just a few nights before that and watched them get shut out by the Royals. I thought, boy, this is just not a good good year for us watching games live. But they won that one, won it with a dramatic, you know, strikeout. Benoit struck out the last batter, and uh, was, that was perfect way to, to cap off the season. Yeah. Instead of the summer of George, it was the summer of Hookslide, it sounds like, at Comerica Park. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, with that, uh, we also have to cover some other uh, topic that was Kurt was wrong. Uh, if you listened to last week's podcast, he predicted the Tigers would clinch Thursday. Uh, be it, that was yesterday, obviously, the uh, 19th of September. Instead, the Tigers are still four games short of clinching with nine games left to play. Uh, Kurt, what happened? Well, you know, I followed the Dodgers a bit, and uh, they clinched. Yeah, yeah. I, I just got my team confused when I was uh, working through the uh, psychic signals that were in the air above me. Yeah, you know, the old English D, Dodgers. I guess there could be some confusion in the air there. 
Kirk Gibson. I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 well, you know. But I have to correct you. It's not. It's not four games. It's the magic yeah. number. Of four. Yeah. The, could, yeah. Exactly. The magic number is four. I should they, say. They could. They could clinch tomorrow. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Let's hope so. You know, they get a little bit of help from the Astros. But I, as we saw uh, <laughs> Thursday yeah. night, that, that's not going to happen. That's going to take a lot of work for that to happen. So a little help from the Astros. You just going to comedy, Al. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For that matter, the Twins who uh, didn't beat the A's last night either. So. Oh, well, like I said, the Tigers will have to handle this pretty much on their own, going by the schedules their, uh, the opposition is playing. Uh, and, and that kind of it makes for a good segue into um, home field advantage, if it's going to make a difference or not. Because really the only race that matters for the Tigers at this point of the season, pretty much the division is, it's not a done deal, but it's almost a almost a lock at this point, is the, the race with the A's for the AL second best record and home field in the uh, American League Divisional Series. Uh, but in the past with the Tigers guys, home field really hasn't played that much into the Tigers' previous runs to the World Series. You know, Even going back to 1968, the Tigers won the World Series uh, uh, as the road team in Game 7. So, uh, And they've had, in their recent runs, they've had some success on the road as well, even going back to last year uh, beating the A's in Game 5. So, uh, Kurt, you think home field is as important as some members in the media, such as Lynn Henning, are making it out to be? Not in baseball. You probably want more of an answer than that. Huh? Yeah, if you, maybe a little bit more. Than that. Um, definitely not in baseball. <laughs> look, look, the, you know, it, it, it just has, look at the World Series winners, look at the Tigers' track record. It, it just doesn't really matter all that much who, you know, if you got World Series, I mean, if you got home field or not. It, Teams that were like the last team into the playoffs are winning the dang World Series. This is baseball. Anything can happen. What really makes a difference is who's on the mound for those games, like, say, late in the series, right? As we saw with Justin Verlander in Game 5 last year. Even then, it really – I don't think anyone can actually divine why anything happens in baseball. Yeah, as they say, the short series tends to be a coin flip, and the obviously the play-in game, which they now call a wild-card game, is even more of a coin flip. Hookslide, do you buy into this uh, home field stuff, or do you think it's going to make a difference if the Tigers finish second or third overall record-wise? I have not bought into it uh, from the get-go. In fact, we were on the podcast two weeks ago, and I was quoting some stats, Mm -hmm. uh, pointing out that it it does seem to have – the numbers have some significance in the World Series. Yeah. And that is over overall, you know, over over the whole – all the leagues, all the teams, rather. In the MLB, I think the record is something like that. They have an 80% win rate um, for the last 30 years of World Series games. But forget about what's going on in the rest of MLB. You know, over the last 30 years, not for the Tigers. Mm-hmm. It's it's never mattered to them. They have been in exactly a three uh, league division series so far. They have never had the home advantage, and they're three and zero. They have. Um, I think they have they have a 500 win record in the championship series without home field advantage and a 500 win record in the World Series without the home field advantage. And the, the weird thing is that in the World Series, when they actually have the home field advantage, historically, they're worse. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I've been saying that for a couple of weeks. I wrote an article about it on, on Bless You Boys. And uh, it's, only, it's funny because now, this week, I've noticed more and more, um, whether it's media members or other bloggers that are starting to say, hey, maybe it doesn't really matter. 
Yeah, it, it, it seems like they're, they're maybe they're buying into your research because I I'm not going to say Kurt. I mean, uh, uh, Kurt's compadre at the news, uh, Lynn Henning, who has been harping the um, home field advantage thing for quite some time. But then again, he's still harping about uh, Comerica Park being too big for the last ten years, and he still hasn't let up on that. So, but yeah, I tend to follow that. Uh, playoff home field really tends to be overrated in, in some sports. I think most specifically baseball and hockey. Uh, where it's you know it, it's it's the playoff short series pretty much anything can happen and who's who's hotter than the other team, which team tends to be hotter I think makes the entire difference uh, as we as we seen with the Tigers. Uh, uh, you know what Al? The only time I ever saw it really matter, and I'm yeah. not even sure that was the deciding factor, was in 1987. Yeah. Because if I remember right, the Twins had the home field advantage and they won the first two games at home, then lost three in a row in St. Louis, and then came back and won their final two at home. And that was the only time that I thought, wow, it really does seem to impact the team when they're playing at home. Yeah, that was one of the more ridiculous home field advantages you'll ever see in baseball was the 87 Twins. That was, I think, yeah, looking back on that, it's got to be one of the worst teams to ever win a World Series. But uh, they won a World Series because, well, they had those stupid whistles and the towels. And, well, uh, I'll never forgive them for what they did in the playoffs anyway. So let's just move on because I'll just get more pissed off thinking about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, but it, it, but it was a very pertinent point. So I will. Uh, so we'll, we may just end up extending your probation if you keep it up, though. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got to talk a little bit about injuries because if anything can derail the Tigers at this point, that's what it's going to be. Thursday there was a huge scare uh, with the Tigers in regard to Jose Iglesias. I know I don't know about you guys, but I had my heart in my throat when he was hit flush on the hand with a mid-90s fastball, and he dropped like a rock after that went down. And uh, Kurt and I were chatting about it uh, when it went down, and we both thought it was a broken hand, you know, just to, just to how uh, just how it all happened, how it went down, how much pain he seemed to be in. Uh, luckily, it turns out to be just a, uh, as they call it, a contusion, which just probably means a nasty bruise. You might miss, miss a couple games these day-to-day. But, Kurt, you know, I don't know about you, but I'll, I think we're all become so quickly spoiled by his defense, the thought of losing a glacious rain like the time scares, scares the fan base shitless. Yeah, truly, truly. And uh, I, I think right now everything scares the fan base because <laughs> Good point. the playoffs are so close that you can you can reach out and touch them. And yeah. to, to get so close to the playoffs and lose any of your regular players would just be, you know, heartbreaking. And uh, Iglesias has been a real keystone at shortstop and playing defense unlike anything we've seen at position. Or, frankly, as Tigers fans, anything we've seen, period, yeah. you know, uh, so at such a high level that it it it, it, it would really hurt. And, you know, and, and I guess that would pretty much guarantee Johnny Peralta would be back. But that sets off the problem going, well, then who, who, who are you going to talk about in the outfield? Where are you going to get that right-handed batter? It's a whole big old mess. And we, we're just, the Tigers are too close to the playoffs right now for this to be a, be a problem. You know, uh, after, after they, they clinch the division, I, I think they should just forfeit the rest of the season. Yeah, hey, I found it interesting that one of our uh, Bless You Boys followers on Twitter, I think, put it best when he said, let's just play with the Mountains for the rest of the season. That was terrifying. I think terrifying was a good way to put it. Uh, yeah, that really hooks slide. The Tigers are kind of have to walk a fine line here in that they, they want to finish the division off as soon as possible to, to clinch everything. But there's also that line is that, you know, you want to keep your players relatively fresh, but, you know, you don't want to do it at the expense of victories. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just kind of, I'm laughing now because, 
the push is let's hurry up and clinch this thing so we can you know get some of these players the rest they need, especially Cabrera. Yeah. So I'm just uh, I have all these wonderful crazy scenarios in my head because my head is a weird place to be sometimes. But you know, just kind of imagine. <laughs> Thanks for the warning. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what what happens when they finally do clinch it? You know, this weekend or whenever they're going to do it. You know, I'm just I'm waiting to see. Are we going to see any of the regular players on the field <laughs> ever again until the playoffs? I don't know, but to, to the point about Iglesias, it's, it's amazing to me what what a testament this is to how quickly he has endeared himself to the fan base. Yeah, that he just came on board, you know, a little little more than a month ago, and there was some, you know, humming and hawing and like, oh, we'll see what you know what he brings to the table. And now all of a sudden, oh my God, we can't live without him. Mm-hmm. Well, good for him. Good for him. Yeah, and, and that's a good point though, is that the Tigers could survive without him. I mean, especially with Johnny Peralta becoming eligible again. But the, the just thinking of some of the games he's turned around with his glove alone, you know, there's been a handful of games where he's made defensive plays that have stopped rallies in their tracks that Johnny Peralta can only dream of making. So, and especially with this uh, pitching staff that really has looks better, certain pitchers look better, you know, such as Rick Porcello with an actual defender behind him. So. But the injuries do seem to be kind of piling up for the uh, Tigers, Kurt. Uh, Phil Coke and Bruce Rondon have tender elbows, uh, even though I have a feeling Coke won't be on the playoff roster. But, you know, we can get into that. Obviously, Cabrera is still still banged up. He can't run at all. And now we had the Iglesias scare. So uh, I guess that is the, the, the fear is that, you know, as the Tigers are a very, very good to great team, but in a lot of ways they're not a very deep team. That that is true, and it's probably true for most teams. Yeah. To, to be fair here, it, it, but the I, I think we've seen it across pretty much any sport. You know, football, basketball, baseball, hockey. The healthy team is, is the team that really has the advantage in the postseason. And uh, obviously, if you you lose a guy like Iglesias, you lose a guy like Miguel Cabrera. Well, I mean, you're 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 screwed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because all of a sudden, yeah, the left side of the infield it becomes Ramon Santiago and Don Kelly. Good God, you know. <laughs> and, and because it's baseball, you can still overcome it. You never know what's going to happen in baseball. It's just a strange sport. I think that's one reason for liking it. But, uh, it, you know, realistically speaking, it would have to hurt the Tigers' chances. As far as the other guys, Rondon wasn't doing a whole lot. And Phil Coke, you know, God bless him, the less he pitches, the better. So. That that you know that those wouldn't hurt, but we we have to make sure the left side of the infield remains healthy for the rest of the year. Well, I might disagree at least a little bit when it comes to Ron Dome, just because uh, as we've seen some of the guys they've trotted out their hook slide as of late, specifically uh, uh, Luke Buchanan, Al Albuquerque. Uh, it really it kind of looks like a gong show out there right now, looking for at least one more bullpen arm that they might be able to be to use in the playoffs, and no one has stepped up. Yeah, I don't. It's it's really troubling to me um, that that Rondon is now reporting you know tender elbow because yeah, uh, you know, I'm with you uh, I, I was kind of counting on him being a solid you know piece in, yeah. in the bullpen in the eighth inning or whatever and boy he's awfully young to be already having the elbow problems and I thought well this is like you know Joel Zumaya all over again you get another you know hard throwing righty he can get up over a hundred miles an hour and you know this early in the career and he's got elbow problems oh that's that's great. You know, now who's going to fill that spot? I think we're going to spend a lot of next week's podcast just discussing who is going to be on the playoff roster because there are just a lot of decisions that need to be made, and injuries could affect that as well. So uh, uh, it's concern. We'll see what happens over the next 10 days or so if uh, 
when it comes to uh, Ryan Dome because uh, out of the bullpen, yeah, he would be the most visible piece that they that I think they do need to get something from in the playoffs that would hurt them if he couldn't make it. But most of the other guys, yeah, and when it comes to the bullpen anyway, you know, it's, it's in the playoffs, it's going to be uh, Benoit, Varus, Smiley, and Purcell and, and Rondon if he's healthy. That's, that's your bullpen anyway. So if we see guys like Al Albuquerque, Luke Conan, or Phil Koch, uh, odds are uh, it's a desperate, desperate situation or – it's a blowout, one or the other. So, but again, this um, is the kind of stuff we'll go into uh, next week. I'm sorry, go ahead. You say well, unless Rondon is, you know, not going to be part of the playoff picture, you know, because of the injury or whatever. I think you, the less you see of Rondon, the more you potentially see of someone like Al Albuquerque, and that just scares the pants off of me. Yeah, exactly. And he has all season long because you don't know if he's going to strike a guy out or throw the ball to the backstop. And uh, like I said, we'll we'll get into this a little bit next week because there's going to be a lot of decisions made in the next ten days that are going to affect the playoff roster, and especially to the ne- involves the next topic, and that would be uh, left field. The, the situation seems to be becoming even more convoluted by the day when it comes to left field. Uh, obviously, Johnny Peralta is going to return in less than a week. He's in the instructional league right now where he's going to play nothing but left field. Pretty much says that as long as Jose Iglesias is healthy, he is the shortstop. Uh, so they got to find a way to get Peralta's bat in the lineup if they plan on using him in the playoffs. All accounts, it seems like that's the direction they're heading. Specifically because, well, the production in left field is dropped off a cliff again. Uh, obviously, Matt Tuasasopo hasn't, well, he's stopped hitting altogether. Uh, and he's not playing all that much as it is. Uh, I looked it up today, yesterday. He's, uh, he's 0 for September, but he's only had, um, I think, around anywhere from 12 to 15 at bats. So, you know, it's one of those catch twenty two attempts. You, you can't get you can't get untracked if he plays, but he's not playing enough to get untracked. And you know, but why play him? Because he's not untracked. When it comes to Andy Dirks, who was actually having a pretty good second half, he's slumping again. He's hitting two sixty seven, two eighty three on base percentage, and only slugging three fifty six in September. Obviously, small sample sizes, but it's very reminiscent of what he was doing in the first half, which isn't much. And now there's rumblings of changes, and with all people, Don Kelly might be in the left field mix. Now, but then again, you know, he has been the Tigers' Mr. October, if you want to at least joke about it. He's had some productive games in the playoffs in the past. So, Kurt, how is this all going to shake out? Because right now, I don't even think the Tigers know how it's going to shake out. Well, if they don't know, how am I supposed to know? <laughs> but you're an expert, and you're never wrong. Well, I really? am an expert, but you just told me I was wrong earlier today. So now <laughs> really I'm, wrong. <laughs> I've lost all confidence in my abilities, thanks to you, Al. Oh, I'm sorry. Just as long as your answer doesn't involve a Thursday, you should be fine. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, well on, on Friday, Don Kelly should be just fine. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've written about it in the newspaper. I've written about it on the blog. I don't get the Don Kelly hate from some people, <coughs> Robo, yeah. uh, Don Kelly, I think it would be just fine, and I, I, I think it would be just fine to have him out there in, in the outfield, so it, it wouldn't concern me at all. I mean, Nick Castellanos hasn't done anything to, to earn the spot. Matthew um, Asasopo hasn't done much himself, so, you know, nothing wrong with Don Kelly for me. What about Peralta? There's already talked of, uh, you know, from the usual places that Peralta won't have much mobility. He has a weak arm, which I kind of have trouble buying. Center, he's played shortstop, for Christ's sake, in third base. But, you know, he's a big league ball player. He should be able to catch a fly ball. I guess the concerns is the nuances it comes to playing left field when it comes to positioning, when it comes to charging balls and things like that. So 
can Peralta be at least a serviceable left fielder for the Tigers if if, if that if it comes down to it? Well, they survived uh, Delman Young and Ryan Rayburn, so how much worse could you get? Oh, maybe a lot worse. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think he's going to get him. I, I. I. I think I don't expect him to be good, but I don't expect him to be so bad that it destroys the team either. I think. I think he'll probably be okay. You know. Oh, yeah. relatively speaking, okay. It's not. Not going to be exciting. It might be scary, frankly. But if he if he brings the bat, I don't think we're going to complain too much. And there's also the 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 realization that. Late in games, they're going to have Don Kelly or Andy Dirks out there no matter what when it comes to defense. So that might make up for uh, quite a bit of the, what Peralta lacks. And, again, all you have to do is point people to Delman Young's uh, throw in the World Series last year that I think bounced about uh, 15 feet. Well, enough said. Uh, Hookside, what's your take on all this? Uh, left field is becoming more and more messy. And, uh, well, who, who would you prefer to see out there? Wow. Wow. Uh just kind of ranking them in order. Um, if you're going to compare, you know, Don Kelly and Andy Dirks, I'm not seeing a, you know, whole lot of difference there. Yeah. At this point, you're right. So that's, that's like comparing a, you know, a bruised apple with a rotten apple. I don't know. <laughs> it's just either one. I don't care. Um, but to be honest, has got to be at the bottom of that list. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately he's, I, he, he's a, he's a modern day Marvel. I've, I've never seen, you know, on all the years of watching Tiger baseball, I don't think I've ever seen a decline like this. Considering what he was doing in the first half, Al used to write those, you know, recaps. Uh, and I, you had a phrase that you would use every time you'd write the recap. It'd say, you know, every all he does is hit the damn ball. Yeah. And and now what what happened? So yeah, no, no, he's he's off the list as far as I'm concerned. Um, and that leaves, I guess, you know, Peralta. I mean, Castellanos is yeah. is in the mix, but like you said, I don't I don't know if it's his fault or you know, if you have to kind of look at, say, why why didn't Jim Leland give him a little more playing time? Um, yeah. I don't think we've seen enough of him to really make a, a you know, a long-term judgment. But in, in the immediate, you know, with the postseason coming right up, um, I'm kind of leaning more towards Peralta. Let's let's see what he can do. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, he can't be any worse than Delman Young, and that throw in the World Series was not even really a throw by any measure of the word. So, uh just you know, it'll, it'll take Johnny a couple a couple of games, I think, to get acclimated and maybe stop trying to throw guys out at first base from left field. But <laughs> he should be fine. The Castellanos uh, ship that sailed a while ago. He's barely played at all. He's uh, since he's come up, he's only gotten uh, twelve at bats. Period. You know, so if we see anything more of him, it'll be after the Tigers clinch and they start resting players. You know, that that ship's gone. If Castellanos is a left fielder, it'll be next year. Uh, and I think we're all pretty much in agreement. Tui Asasopo is, if he hasn't already, he's well on his way to playing himself off the playoff roster. So uh, it looks like the left field will be somehow shared between Andy Dirks, Johnny Peralta, and uh, Don Kelly. And, well, if Peralta hits, everything's great, pure and simple. All right, Prince Fielder had a busy week, guys. Uh, he needed nachos on Thursday, and he grabbed a chip from the fan tray. Uh has garnered the typical reactions of either that's hysterical or he's fat, you know, depending if you're a fan or a troll. But the bigger story came out last weekend. In Saturday night's one to nothing loss to the Royals, there was no laughing at all, mostly just people bitching. And Jim Leland, he refused to pinch run for fielder with two, uh, in the bottom of the ninth after he singled. With two out, Omar and Fonte drilled a double in the left field corner. Fielder was thrown out at the plate trying to score all the way from first. That I think 
the vast majority, uh, the guys they had available to them on the bench, say a Hernan Perez, uh, would have scored easily on the play. Uh, instead, it turned out to be the inning ending out. Leland's quote after the game was, I'll never pinch run for Prince Fielder. He also said if Cabrera's healthy, he won't pinch run for him, but he will pinch run for Victor Martinez, which makes absolutely no sense if he won't pinch run for those two, as Martinez's bat is damn near as important to this team as their, as the, the as, uh, Cabrera's and Fielder's. So, Hookslide, what was your, where, where do you fall on this? Should have Fielder been pulled from the game, or uh, do, you, uh, do you buy Leland's explanation? Al, I blocked that whole thing from my memory. <laughs> Much like I, I have 1987 playoffs. Yeah. Exactly. I was actually there for that game. That yeah. was this, the Saturday night game when they got shut out, and I brought my son there. And uh, that was just that was a horrible, horrible way to end the game. And I, I knew it as soon as I saw that the fielder was going around third and where the ball was. I was sitting on the third baseline, so I had kind of that long view of the whole field. And I thought, oh, my God, he's not really going to do this, is he? Uh, it was it was over before it started. Um, should should Leland have pinch run for him? Um, it's it's funny you should ask because when we, as we were leaving the stadium, that's what my son said. He's like, why didn't they pinch run for him? And my immediate response was, well, you know, because they might have tied the game, but then you wouldn't have Prince Fielder's bat, you know, in the lineup. And the more we talked about it, we, I don't know, I went back and forth and back and forth, and I, I still haven't decided where I really stand on that. Well, my argument is is that. Playing for something that might not ha- might or might not happen, I, you know, uh, that's not that's not how you should be running a baseball team, at least in this situation. Just because because he didn't make the change, what might happen didn't, if that makes sense. And I, I try to kind of explain it that way in the recap that night. I know how Kurt feels about this because he wrote about it immediately after it went down. Yeah, uh, I could not. I, I was among many, and there were many on Twitter who who were saying just as soon as Prince Fielder got on base that you have to pinch run for him for the obvious reason we've seen pinch field, Prince Fielder thrown out in second, yeah. third, home. <laughs> you know, if there's a base, we've we've seen Prince slide poorly into it and and, and getting out recorded. So I think everyone could see what was going to happen. And that was not going to be a good thing for the Tigers. And sure enough, that's what happened. Prince slid horrifically at home plate and and was out. Uh, I I agreed with Tommy Brookings. You know, there there's what two outs in yeah. the uh, two outs in the ninth inning. You got to send the runner and force the situation. Right. You have a higher chance of a, of the throw not being online when you got to make a relay like that than you than you do of your next batter having a base hit. To score the run, so I, I agreed with Tom Brookings on that. It's just that uh, Jim Leland didn't give him the right runner. He 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 left Princeton. Yeah, and that's uh, something to remember, Kurt. You're right. That there, Tommy Brookings has no blame at all in this situation. Right. So I, I some people wanted to, but this that's the right baseball move that Brookings made, yeah. and, and you do it 100 percent of the time, in my opinion, even with Prince Fielder running. Uh, but beyond that, you you mentioned it. I don't understand why he. I don't pinch run for Prince. I don't pinch run for Miguel, but I'll pinch run for Victor. Yeah. Victor is hitting probably better than right now. He's hitting better than Miguel because Miguel's just not hitting. He's and probably hitting better than Prince. So why would you pinch run for him but not the other guys? That doesn't even begin to make sense to me. Yeah, that that's what really kind of really kind of blew my mind, as they say, is is that comment. If if you're not going to pinch run for two, then you should not pinch run for the, the third because. They're they're by far the best bats on the team, and 
then again, it's you know sometimes Jim Leland's uh, thought process we don't agree with. They kind of confuse us, and for the most part, they work. In this case, in hindsight or not, it was the wrong decision to make, and it ended up costing the Tigers a win. In the big scheme of things, it wasn't that big of a deal because even you know even la- as of last Saturday, the division was pretty much in, in a lock. But if we if we're thinking about play for the best overall record, well, then they took a blow because of his decision-making. But in the big scheme of things, yeah. But let's hope it doesn't come up again in the playoffs, but it probably will because we'll look at Finchfield's slide in the playoffs last year where he was thrown out to play. So, Well, I have to register my dissenting opinion. Please do. Because I, my, my thing was I don't think Brooklyn should have sent him in the first place. Ah. And I, I know that a lot of people said, no, that was the right move. And uh, to me, I couldn't understand why the why the controversy was over whether or not uh, there should have been a pinch runner. I thought the controversy should have been, why in the hell did Brooklyn send him? And again, maybe that's just because of where I was sitting in the stands that, you know, that ball had made its way. It was halfway into the infield before Prince had even got to third. It just, it looked like such an obvious, you know, thing to me. And I'm going, well, why, why does he keep doing this? This is not the first time. And, you know, in fact, uh, uh, Matthew uh, Mowry, had put a, a stat on Twitter, um, I want to say about a week and a half ago, uh, where he was quoting and saying that the Tigers have had, I think it was 18 runners thrown out of the plate this year. At, you know, at the point that he posted that, it was 18 runners. Right. Um, saying that that was above the the average, the American League average of, of 13. And it's the second most in, in the American League. Um, whereas in, in the in the career or the tenure of Gene Lamont at third base, the average number was 18 and a half. So, I mean, you can kind of look at these, you know, numbers and compare them and say Brookens is just as bad as Lamont <laughs> in getting guys thrown out of the plate. Uh, I'm not sure why, you know, it's a no-brainer, so to speak, to say, no, he made the right call there to send Prince. I, I think he was dead wrong. I hear Kurt. I think he's going to say something. Well, I, I don't think it was as close as our our friend Mr. Slide thinks because it was still a pretty close play at the plate. You yeah. know, he just barely got the tag around to get it on Prince and a better slide and he probably could have been safe. So I, I don't think it was... And nearly as close as, uh, as Mr. Slide remembers here. And it's something to keep in mind as well is that the same pl- sort of play happened on Thursday, uh, and Fielder was safe. And in that case, you could it was a bang bang play, and depending on the camera angle, he might have been out. But also, there's a big difference in who's playing left field between uh, a Gold Glover and Alex Gordon in the first case, and the thousand year old man in uh, Ronald Ibanez in the second case. So. Damned if you do or damned if you don't, because uh, if Brookings doesn't send him and he's stranded at third, we're all screaming, why didn't you send him? And, so. and if you look at the lineup, who was coming up after yeah. that, it was, not a, it was not a very you know likely scenario that they were going to get a hit from the next couple of batters. So, and, and, I, and I will, you know, that was, uh, that was a good stat uh, uh, Hook Slide brought up about 18 versus 18 and a half. The reason for that is that this is just the right baseball moves that you have to make. And Lamont was managing or, you know, coaching by the same rule book that Brookings coaches by. And that's the same rule book that every other third base coach in the game coaches by. You, you know, you, you calculate and you, you make the best decision and, and the number of outs plays a role. And if the Tigers had better base runners, if, if they weren't a softball team, they probably wouldn't be as high, but it, it's just the fact of the matter is, is that you, you got to force it, and they're going to get out sometimes. All right, it's, it's going to sound like point counterpoint here. So, or <laughs> well, whatever, Al, because yeah. Kurt was wrong last week, so that, that's not <laughs> an argument. Yeah, the next thing I expect to hear is Jane, you ignorant slut, or something. Yeah, that was my only time wrong for the entire month. So, I, 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 
Well, I haven't been wrong yet this month, so. Yeah, and he does research, Kurt. I think he had to post a correction uh, a, a, a podcast or two ago. So. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> you said you wouldn't bring that up again, you bastard. <laughs> All right, let's move on before uh, uh, before I have to cut them both off and end the podcast right here and go home. So. Hey, this isn't a Philadelphia Eagles home game. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I, I saw that video as well. As God forbid, I watched most of that damn game last night. So, uh, regardless, we're not going to talk about the NFL, you know. So, as we have an anti-NFL light hook slide here. So, uh, speaking of, well, it has nothing to do with the NFL, but postseason awards are still being hotly contested. A month or so ago, these looked like to be in the bag for both Miguel Cabrera and Max Scherzer. Uh, now we're into the finally, final days of the season, a uh, week and a half to go, and Cabrera and Serger may not may no longer be the locks they once were. They may still be the favorites, but doors are opening up for uh, for the opposition, for example. Uh, a month ago, they were in. No question about it. Even the emails we were getting from Vegas were telling us, we're not changing the odds at all because it, it's a done deal. These guys are the favorites. Now Cabrera's gotten hurt and has had a uh, he's slumped in September which means, uh, well, for example, USA Today's MVP track or whatever the hell that is, they're pushing Josh Donaldson of the A's. Uh, Chris Davis has over 50 diggers for the Orioles, who are a contender, and he has actually now tied Cabrera in the RBI race. And, of course, there's always Wonder Boy. Mike Trout leads in war, you know, and Kurt actually wrote about uh, this race on uh, the site today. Uh, not breaking up war, thank goodness, but Trout is having even better year than he had last year. Overall, he just plays for a crappy team, and obviously we, we know what's going on with Cabrera. The guy can't run. Uh, as for the Cy Young, Scherzer's inability to nail down his 20th win has opened the doors for uh, uh, Wu Darvish, Chris Sale, and even uh, Anibal Sanchez, who's really gaining some momentum in this. And, of course, let's not forget King Felix for uh, Hernandez. Kurt, what's going on here? I mean, I thought this was a done deal, and I still think in some ways – Instead of being 99% locks, I think like Cabrera might be 75% now. Uh, and if Scherzer gets 20, I still think he's going to do it. But where do you fall here? Well, you know, uh, I think in August, uh, a lot of people were were of the mindset that Cabrera and Scherzer might both be unanimous decisions. You know, there might be one or two dissenters, but even then, it, it was going to be a complete runaway. Uh, and then Cabrera, like like a light switch turned off, went from, you know, having a wonderful August despite the injury to, to everything catching up to him in September and just not being very good. Uh, meanwhile, you got, you got, you got the narrative to deal with, yeah. you, you know, you got Davis hitting 50 home runs, uh, you got Davis catching him in RBIs, if you get Davis in the playoffs, that narrative is very strong for giving the MVP award to Davis. And, and like you said, uh, Mike Trout, he's even better than last year, uh, he completely deserving of the MVP as well. And the only problem is that Los Angeles' teammates weren't very good. So yeah. why, why why is he going to be punished because his teammates uh, are awful? I, you know, I, I don't know, but that's just the way it is. So, you know, narratives play a part. Uh, this award is as much about storytelling as it is about uh, the numbers and the stories. Well, Miguel doesn't have a really exciting story this year, despite having some great numbers. So I, I think it's a little more open than it was at one point when he was going for a double, triple crown, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scherzer, again, 19-1, great story. Uh, his sabermetric stats backed him up. He, he wasn't the sabermetric leader across the board, but his sabermetric stats 
argued for Cy Young just as well as his traditional numbers, then Scherzer hit the wall, and he, coupled with some run support issues, uh, Scherzer has, has struggled a few times, and he, he's kind of losing that lock. I think I think Scherzer still wins the Cy Young. The, the other guys who he's competing with, you know, had injury problems, right. frankly. So, and, and Chris Dale got lit up already, uh, you know, I don't, I was either last started or start before that, so, you know, he, he didn't close strong either, so I think it's still Scherzer's that, but Animal Sanchez, like others have said, he, he has a great argument for it, and he has even better sabermetric numbers, and if you give him, you know, Scherzer's run support, he, he's going to have even more wins, so it, it, either Tiger deserves the award, and you can make an argument for either Tiger, and I, I, I think Scherzer's going to win, but Sanchez, has just as good of an argument for it. Hooks Clyde, where do you fall? Well, let's break it down, I guess, by, we'll start with, with Cabrera. Um, you know, I think Kurt brings up a really good point that, that the narrative is important here. Yeah. And I guess it kind of depends on where you fall on the whole argument of, you know, should the MVP be all about uh, who's got the best stats? Or should it be a little more about really who was most valuable to their team? And that's where you look at a guy like Mike Trout, you know, who's posting some just unbelievable stats um and yet you know the fact that the angels are are you know performing so poorly kind of hurts his case whereas you know if chris davis keeps doing what he's doing and ends up truly helping his team to make it into the postseason then you could make the argument and say he may have not as good a numbers as cabrera in some areas but he really helped his team he was more valuable to his team relatively speaking you know than than cabrera was to his team so i don't know it's just kind of interesting you know discussion, I guess, to say, what, what what is the MVP really about? Is it about the sparkly numbers, or is it about, you know, is it about the narrative in some senses? I, I think, uh, you know, like Kurt said, uh, Cabrera is is deserving of it. Uh, you know, I, this, this, he's slumping, yeah, but he's hurt. So, you almost feel like that shouldn't really be a, a penalty against him. Um, but, you know, I, I think a guy like Mike Trout would be just as deserving of the award, too. Cy Young, same same story, I guess. Uh, Max Scherzer, if you want to get into the whole narrative thing, it's really going to help his case if he can just get across the finish line yeah. and get that 20th win. And I keep saying if he would just stop eating product 19 cereal, <laughs> he might actually get number 20, and that would be a huge uh, kick in his favor to get that award. Um, but to you know, to Kurt's point, to your point, there are other pitchers who are pitching extremely well that uh, you know it wouldn't be a travesty. To see them get the you know get the award ahead of Scherzer, but I, I think he'll get it. I really do. I think the case you could make for Cabrera is that uh, they gave the MVP to Josh Hamilton a few years ago. He didn't even play in September. He he barely played in that September that year. So and, and Cabrera's season has been derailed for a similar re- reason injury. He's just trying to play through it. Uh, Hamilton didn't. But I'm with you in when it comes to uh, the Cy Young. If Scherzer gets his 20th, that pretty much puts him over the top. Because if you look back in history, look at you know at the how the uh, baseball writers have voted. RBIs seems to be the overwhelming uh, overwhelming uh, stat that they look at when it comes for the MVP. And if Davis takes the RBI lead away from Cabrera, uh, I have a feeling that's when we might see some of the uh, the votes change to him, especially because of all the home runs. When it comes to Cy Young, 20 wins, pure and simple. And right now, Scherzer gets that 20th win. I think that puts him over the top. So I, I kind of agree there. So 
uh, again, these last uh, 10 days or so are going to, a lot of things are going to shake out when it comes to the roster, when it comes to postseason awards. So um, there are some things to play for, even though the Tigers have pretty much locked things up. But now this would be a big one. Uh, see, where do the awards go? Because, but uh, keep in mind, guys, we are being spoiled here after decades of the Tigers uh, not having uh, uh, true candidates for Cy Youngs and MVPs, save for the occasional uh, one-year blip uh, here and there. Uh, this has been awesome that the Tigers pretty much for the last uh, four or five years straight have had an MVP candidate, and we should really be appreciating that. And and a Rookie of the Year candidate this year, too. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. I forgot about the Iglesias thing. Uh, uh, he probably won't win it, though, will he? I don't know. I mean, it's... It's hard to say. Will Meyer, it's like college football. Everyone was talking about Will Meyer before yeah. the season. So he, he, seemed to, he seemed to be handed the award before the season even began. The only problem is he didn't play, begin playing until June 15th. So he would be the first position player to, to win the award with fewer than 100 games played. I think yeah. he'd end up somewhere in the 80s. That, he, wouldn't, he barely played half the season. So that. You know, the Vulgars might not give it to him for that very reason. Uh, he's had great numbers, though. You got, you got to give him that. Iglesias uh, has the games played. He, he, he has, he has the highlights on ESPN and everywhere else with his, his glove that we, we have barely seen anything like, you know, as a sport, you know. Yeah. Uh, and on top of it, he's hitting around 300 for a shortstop. Most of it helped by a, a solid, you know, four, four week, six week period earlier in the season with Boston, but, you know, the overall numbers look good, and if you if you want to, I, I always try to game the system. I always try to get into the heads of what makes voters vote, and it's not a correlation here, but I, I you know, one one, it's not a causation, but there might be a correlation. I meant to say, yeah. and that's that uh, most of the time, as long as he's in the playoffs, the the rookie of the year has the highest WAR. Yeah. You know, I, you know, they're not looking it up and involving that way, it, but. It just happens that the rookie of the year does the things that get him war, and the vulgars notice those things and vote for him. Well, Iglesias has the highest war, so it, it would make a good sense to vote for him. And on top of that, he, he's on a playoff team. And, and I mean, Myers might be. I, I suspect he will be, but it, it's not a sure thing. So it, Iglesias is definitely in the hunt. But this is one of those races too close to call. I mean, I could not tell you who I think is going to win. There, there's really not a, sure, a clear-cut candidate in the Rookie of the Year award. Where do you fall on Hook Slide since we're doing this point counterpoint? Uh, uh, Iglesias is a Rookie of the Year candidate. He, uh, we here in Detroit are kind of forgetting about it because we only had him for about a month, a little over a month. But he put together a, a, a very solid case, putting together with what he did in Boston, what he's doing right now. Yeah, and I've seen what Kurt had to say about it in his, his column recently, and he makes a very good case that. I wasn't even thinking about Iglesias yeah. and and what he you know uh, you know the reasons why he should be considered for the Rookie of the Year. Um, will he get it? Boy, that'd be really cool. I I don't know. I'm just not feeling it though. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I I would love to see that, but I think um, yeah, I just don't think I don't I don't think he's going to get the votes. For yeah, even though he's playing kind of a glamour position defensive wise, because you know he can end up on the, on the highlight reels. Uh, it's hard to top. Uh, home runs, and you know that kind of production, and that goes Myers way. But again, we have a lot to look forward to at the end of the season when it comes to this sort of thing. All right, we're now reaching the controversy part of the podcast, as we've had one. We always seem to have a controversy every week. This one in Major League Baseball involves more well unwritten rules breaking. The Dodgers, when they clinched on Thursday night, decided to go swimming. 
After they clinched the West in uh, Arizona, the Dodgers went for a splash in the Diamondbacks' pool. This was after the Diamondbacks made a re- uh, really a ridiculous request that they not return to the field after they finished their first, you know, after they clinched the division. Uh, apparently, the D-backs have now taken great offense to the Dodgers swimming in the pool. Uh, so who comes out looking worse? Personally, I think the D-backs are just absolutely petty in this, but Kurt, where do you fall here? Well, I think, for one, you should you should uh, link to Grant Grinsby's uh, column on Baseball Nation on this one. I, he had a wonderful take on this, and that take was basically the both sides suck. <laughs> uh, the Diamondbacks suck more than the Dodgers in this case, but I, I, I both thought, you know, the, the Diamondbacks almost brought this upon themselves, because you know, yeah. don't go back onto the field translation, don't jump in the pool. Why else would they go back on the field if not to jump in the pool? Yeah. So you, that was why they said don't go back on the field. I think it's clear. And the Dodgers... The two teams have already had a you know a brawl earlier this year, so it's it's pretty obvious that they don't really like each other. And you got the Diamondbacks acting like you know like snooty snoot snoots. And (laughs) well, you know, a team like the Dodgers is going to take that and say, "Let's rub their nose in it." They don't want us to swim in the pool. We'll piss in the frickin' pool, you know. That's just the it's just the way the Dodgers are, you know. I yeah. don't know if that's good or bad, but it's the Dodgers. I, I think we can all agree. So uh it I I'm not offended that a team chose to get in a pool and you know, I suppose if the Giants had jumped in the fountain at Comerica Park, uh, I don't think I would have cared either, but it would it would have been stupid. But uh, that's the way I see this controversy. It, it's just stupid. Hook slide. How about you? Is this? Uh, does everybody look awful in this, or you know, is there? Can it be waited a little bit? Because uh, personally, I still think the, the Diamondbacks come out looking far worse. Well, the important question I think is, what does Vin Scully think? Oh okay. yes, that's that's what I'm going to go with. Let's find out what Vin thinks. Yeah, what would Vin yes do? Yeah. You know, I think that, that uh, Yasiel Puig would jump in the pool and maybe make a little mess if he'd catch my drift, and then <laughs> Vin would just kind of scream and say, you know, in a year that has been so petty. The disgusting has happened, and then it would be okay. I'm telling you, the, these uh, there's so many you know factors to consider here. The, the, the Dodgers just clinched. They 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 roared back from last place at the beginning of July to clinch to become the first team this year to clinch their division. They're going to be excited. They have every right to be excited. They should be able to go out there and you know have a good time or whatever. Uh, you know, was it something that was deliberate and malicious? Like, haha, let's go get in their pool and piss them off. You know, I don't know. Uh, what does it take? One or two guys, you know, yeah. just kind of go, let's go get in the pool. Yeah, we're excited. We're, you know, half drunk on champagne. Let them have their party. Give me a break. You know, so yeah, I, you can, you can make the Diamondbacks the bad guys, you know, in this whole thing and say, come on, sour grapes and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, is it a bit disrespectful? Maybe. I don't know, but. It's the Diamondbacks that are, you know, being spit on here. So yeah. go, go Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I guess it'll probably end. Someone will get plunked early next year on the Dodgers by a Diamondback, and then there'll be a, a benches clearing, shoving match, and then it'll all end after some stern words are said. But I can't believe you didn't say you know, Vince Kelly would see them get in the pool and get the old. I can't believe what I just saw. I mean, that's. <laughs> <you know. laughs> 
All right. Well, speaking of, I can't believe it, but it's pretty much time to wrap up the podcast. Is uh, we wanted to kind of wrap this one up early because Kurt has a long night ahead of him, yelling, "Stop the presses! I need a gift." So uh, it's time Some for final thoughts. Some people would prefer if I yelled, "I need a gift." Yeah. I'm not one of them. It's a gift. I think we could all agree with that. I, I wish we could all agree, but some people don't. I know. Some people be anal you know, that way. Kind of, they, they're, they're probably Diamondbacks fans. But uh, mm. <laughs> but final thoughts. So anything you'd like to say or add to have them covered, now's the time. Hope slide, I'll start with you. Uh, Tiger September offense. Again, I brought this up last week. Ran some more numbers this week. Uh, it's it's not looking good. We, we're seeing a serious dip in uh, in run production when you start charting from, like, say, July on. Um, runs per game scored in July, about six. August, five. September, it's down to three and a half. Um, whereas Boston and Oakland are trending upward in their run support game from July through September. So this should be interesting. Let's uh, let's see what, what unfolds here. But I think it, again, points to this whole issue of the, the nagging injuries. And yeah. just, you know, we've got to get these guys healthy. We've got to have a fully healthy Miguel Cabrera. And it really wouldn't hurt at this point to have a, a Johnny Peralta on there because, again, July to August to September, this downward trend coincides with losing Peralta and now kind of losing Miggy to the to the injuries. If people haven't noticed that he's the Peralta still owns, depending on the, how Fielder's been doing as of late, he still owns the second or third best OPS on the team, which says volumes about how much his production uh, contributed this year. With that, Kurt, your turn. Anything else on your mind? I am rooting for chaos. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> you, you probably would not be surprised that I I love chaos. I think chaos is awesome. You would have and been he, a member of chaos if if you were on Get Smart, I'm sure. So I'm going to Google that one. <laughs> really? Uh, you don't know that and, reference? And I never know what I was talking about, and it's probably better that way most of the time. Anyway, uh, right now we, we could potentially – have a, a, a 16 tie for the wild card in the American League. Uh, not likely. I think the Yankees are just a little bit too far off to really make this a realistic chance, but we, we could have a five or four team tie and, and that actually is realistic and th- that would be beautiful, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 Patrick wrote about, I don't know, like 6,000 words or something. It looked really long anyway, uh, about all the tiebreaker scenarios at, at the site today and it, no, it, it, it would be fun, you know. I, I think I was skeptical about one, the wild card and two, two wild cards. I, I was skeptical about it, but, you know, if, if we can get some sort of a strange four or five-way tie out of it that, that causes baseball to go into chaos at the end of the season, I will be the biggest fan of the, the, the two wild card system probably ever. So I, I, I am rooting for chaos. If I am disappointed in the end, you can expect me to call the abolition of the wild card next week. It would be great if there's playing games to get in a playing game to get in a playing game. I, that that would be the best case scenario. I would love to see that. Oh my goodness! I hope it happens. You know that's that's kind of scary because just just wait and see, you guys. I, I just wrote a column that should be going next week. Week after that. Uh, one of my typical goofball columns, but on the history of, of the World Series and the development of the playoff season, and that's that's kind of how I ended it, was the speculation that eventually it's going to devolve into exactly this scenario, where it's just, you know, play-in game versus play-in game and wild cards on wild cards on wild cards. Yeah. So look for that. All right. Can't wait. All right. What I'm going to add is, well, I want to address a national tragedy, and that is the retirement of Antipetit. 
if you've watched, uh, uh, say, ESPN or Major League Baseball Network today, the big media sites, the big-time baseball writers, you would have thought that Andy Pettit was, uh, well, it was like, it was like Cy Young retiring. And the, the problem is, is that Pettit was a good, two very good pitcher who pitched for a very long time and had a lot of postseason success. But he's not a Hall of Fame pitcher. He was busted for PED use, even though I think we can all agree that he handled it the best in that, you know, he faced it forward, he apologized for it, and moved on, and everybody said, great. But regardless of all that, if he had pitched anywhere else than New York City and spent his entire career there, uh, this wouldn't be treated as if we needed to move the flag, the, our flags to half-mast. Essentially, they're treating uh, – Andy Pettit was a better version of Kenny Rogers. That's the kind of pitcher that they are celebrating as, oh, you know, this is a, a, a tragedy for the Yankees. He had a great career, a good pitcher, but the amount of attention this get, is getting to me is just what, it just bothers me, especially when it comes to someone who, who plays with the Yankees. And God forbid, just think what just, just think what you're seeing right now with Pettit. It, multiply it by a million when Derek Jeter retires. So be prepared about this time next year. It's going to be Derek Jeter Nation. So this is just kind of a warm up, people. Be prepared. I'm warning you now. But yes, I, I salute Andy Pettit. No, great pitcher, but go away. <laughs> All right. Now I got that rant out of the way. I think we need to wrap up the podcast because, well, um, Kurt needs to go out and play in the rain and, and then uh, run SB Nation. More Donner than me. Yeah, exactly. that's what I mean. He's got to take care of Donner. So uh, with that, uh, we'll fight right, wrap things up. So first off, uh, where we can find you online, you know, Hookslide, you've changed your uh, uh, Twitter handle. I did. I finally got assimilated and... Uh you know, sold out to the to the corporate scheme, so it's it's hook slide byb at Twitter. And don't you have a, a Facebook fan page as well? Yes, right? thanks for reminding me about that. I keep forgetting about the Facebook page because <laughs> nobody ever goes and visits it. Um, but you can find me at Facebook too, facebook.com slash hookslide dot byb. All right, yeah, because we're all byb on our Twitter at this point anymore. Because I know uh, uh, even though Kurt uh, is on Twitter, I'll let him decide which Twitter handle he wants to pimp. Oh, jeez. You know, just follow Busty Boys. That's, that's where 90% of the fun goes on. And, exactly. And with my own personal account, it's 100% bitching. Yeah, or pictures of dogs. Well, I follow it for the dogs alone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if you want to see uh, Donner, uh, that's where you can uh, follow Kurt, uh, Kurt's personal account on Twitter. You get all the German Shepherd love that you want to ever want to get. All right, and you can find me on Twitter, at uh, BigAlBYB. Also keep in mind that Rob and Kirk handle the SB Nation account on Twitter quite often. Usually it's three, three nights a week. And that's at SB Nation MLB. With that, let's wrap up the podcast. So until this time at next week, well, we're going to be pretty much talking playoffs. This is Al Beaton saying good night. Good luck along the hook slide. Good night and God bless. And Kurt Magic. I'm sorry I didn't say. Uh, we're not. And we still won't be sorry on the next Bless You Boys podcast. That's good advice. Thanks, big fella.